If everybody took it away, every aspect of your fame, would you still want to be an actor? And the answer is absolutely. Welcome to No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis. Each week, we're talking to women playing at the top of their game. So how are they doing it? Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. My guest today is someone who completely mastered the romantic comedy. She grew up in a family of artists, almost went to NYU, but instead opted to defer to pursue acting and travel the world. Not a bad decision, considering that shortly thereafter, she landed her breakout role as Penny Lane in Almost Famous, which scored her an Oscar nomination and a Golden Globe Award. Today, in addition to her full-time acting career, she runs her own production company and is the co-founder of Fabletics, one of the fastest-growing brands in athletic wear. Kate Hudson, welcome to No Limits. It's, Thank you. It's so exciting to have you here with me. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is probably one of the few films I've maybe at this point seen more than 20 times. Because <laughs> if it's on, I'm watching it. So, Thank you. So you're born in L.A., uh, raised by your mom, Goldie Hawn, and Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. That had to be the most fun childhood. Well, I had a great childhood. I, I mean, fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. I don't. I had probably more of a, a normal child, traditional childhood than people would probably think. Really, coming from yeah. Well, they, we moved to Colorado when we were really little, and yeah, we just uh, sort of had a ranch life for a while, and then I mean, obviously, as you get older, you start to realize that people see your parents differently, but to us, they were just our parents, and. We had a great childhood because there was so much love and they were very present parents, surprisingly, for the, 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 how big their careers were. Did you always want to act? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, actually, no. No, it wasn't acting that was my focus, but performing, yeah. I mean, I just was like, give me a spotlight. And <laughs> all of a sudden, like, my whole the hair would stand up on the back of my neck and I'd be like, yeah. I always thought I'd sing and dance. And then, uh, you know, I started auditioning, as you do, just as a performer for anything, really. And I just started acting. I was uh, very lucky to, to get a lot of uh, roles really young. I think about that auditioning process, and that can do a number on yeah, anybody. It, it does set you up for for the heavy scrutiny and the criticism that comes with success, definitely. The auditioning process is as as brutal as it gets. Uh, it can make you feel really down on yourself. And um, I had a couple experiences that I don't like t- t- talking about because it just becomes something other than what it was. But, you know, it takes tough skin to kind of get through certain experiences. But, you know, it's worth it. I, I If you can't handle that, then you're not going to be able to handle any kind of success. So I kind of just kept my head down. And just did it, you know. That's how you made yeah, it work just, for you. Just, you know, I, I come from a real worky bee family, right? So the work ethic in our family is really huge. They definitely instilled that in all of their kids. So, you know, you, you go to work, you go to work. And so that's how I felt about auditioning. It was just basically do your job, do it the best you can. We're not like one of those families that's like, I'm going to come in here and manipulate you and charm you <laughs> and make you feel like I'm – it's like, no, I'm just going to do You're my job. Fingers, yeah. Like, hey, yeah. Uh, I want to sell you a car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I – then there was somewhere I would – you know if you're not right for something and 
So a lot of times, you know, for women, there's certain roles that you look at and you're like, I'm so not, you know, they're just, the, the descriptions are they like. They want an orange and I'm an apple. Right, exactly. Wait, so, what are the descriptions like? There's all kinds of descriptions of women, you know, you know, mid-20s, quirky, uh, short-haired, little spitfire, like, comes in, whatever. And then there's, like, this tall, you know, classically beautiful woman. And so here you are trying to, like, be, you know, all of that. Or or there's, like, you know, this sort of plain, simple, you know, I, I, and, I and I think, you know, you're right for some and you're not right for others. You know, and then as an actor, you're like, I can't do anything. <laughs> but you can't, you know, you can't always be necessarily what a director is looking for. Is there one of those descriptions that you just, that you would love to, a role that you'd like to play in the future that I you have I still have yet to do like a, an action movie, you know? I haven't done that yet. And you're I so physical too, so. That's my, that. thank you for saying that. That's my, I'm very physical and I'm very athletic. I grew up on a ranch, you know, and I, my dad is hurt. So eventually I'd like to do something that's more physical. That I could be, see it that would be something. really fun. Throwing down. Yeah, it'd be fun to throw down a little bit. Get a little sort of fighting choreography going would be fun. Uh, I have some bucket lists. One thing I'd like to do on film is to like really run on a horse. Like a a long shot where I get to be in like a field and just like let the horse go. That would be <laughs> awesome. Total diversion here, but uh filming with animals is very difficult. Um, (laughs) I was on a horse for a very random thing. The horse was so afraid of the camera. And on top of that, I'm not a horseback rider. I was so scared. Mm -hmm. So my face, the whole, like, we got the shot, but my face, the entire shot is like, "Ah, I'm so scared. (laughs) Yeah. No, you can't do that. You're not going to get the part. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So you get into NYU. I do. And then you decided, you, you convinced your parents, basically. That you needed. I just wanted to take a year off and and and, and work. And it kind of worked out. It I mean, it more out. than kind of worked out. It was it was a great year. It was a great year. It was a lot of travel, and I got to see a lot of the world on my own, which was really amazing. And I got really excited about my future. And then, uh, as much as I now wish that I did have the NYU experience, you know, life presents itself timing wise the way it's supposed to, I guess. And so I have no regrets, but. You know, I, I, uh, you know, there's a little part of me that's like, oh, it would have been so fun to NYU, so great. And there's still time. Yeah, right. I can you always can go, go back. back. <laughs> I could always go back. I'm sure they'd honor that original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you already got in mm-hmm. with Almost Famous, Breakthrough, yeah. Penny Lane. In that moment, did it start to feel like Hollywood Here's or celebrity? When you grow up in something, it's just what you know. It doesn't feel weird to you. It just feels like your life, right? So whereas it might feel weird for me to like grow up with you know, scholarly professor intellectuals like, wow, what's that? That must have been really interesting and amazing. And they're like, well, it's my parents, you know. Um, that's basically how I felt about our life. And also my parents aren't like real fans of the whole smoke and mirrors thing. It's just not who they are at all. And so it sort of lends to a different perspective of how other people see Hollywood as to how we as a family kind of saw it. The success of Almost Famous you know, at the at the same time, I was madly in love and and looking at my life and excited about my future in the, this new relationship, and so there was this great balance of like grounded family and and sort of all the other things and the noise around it was just this great experience. But it to me, it just sort of meant like, oh great, I'm I'm gonna have a 
I, I can have a real career, you know, because I, I do love it. As a matter of fact, that's something Kurt said to me at the Oscars. Um, congratulations. After I lost, congratulations, you can now go have your career. And I was like, oh, that's such a great thing to say because it's just starting. And, and um, I was 21. So it was kind of amazing to have that so young. And then just start working and having that kind of demand at a young age is, you know, just incredible. And I just wanted to always just work really hard and continue to enjoy the process instead of all the stuff that goes with it. I think there's this weird thing that happens that people think for some reason if your parents are famous, that means that you need need to be famous, right? I, I would get such weird questions growing up, you know. Do you ever feel competitive with your mom? I was like, what kind of question is that? It's like so far removed from the reality of what it is to come from a family of artists, right? So people see the celebrity as like, oh, they're just a celebrity in this completely sort of insanely celebrity-focused world where, you know, and you forget like, no, I'm, I'm not a celebrity. I'm, I'm a storyteller. Like I see myself as an artist and my parents are artists and we the way we work and the things that you want to do, it's like, yeah, there's success in it, but it doesn't mean that that takes the artistry away from it or the passion that comes from, you know, it's like if everybody took it away, every aspect of your fame, would you still want to be an actor? The answer is absolutely. So it's like, People's perception is very different than, say, your own. And that's why I think you see a lot of actors sometimes be rebellious because people don't necessarily understand that that kind of attention sort of takes them away from this place that a lot of introverted artists like to be in, which is not seen. You know, you become an actor because you're playing these characters. I don't want to be a a personality to you. I want to just be in my roles. I want to concentrate on my art. Then there's some people like myself who I don't have that kind of introverted personality. I'm much happier sort of being like, ah, it's part of the thing. <laughs> but but I would never I would never fault anybody for having that kind of reaction to fame or people saying like, yeah, but you got into this because you wanted to be famous. And it's like a lot of people go, no, I actually just want to be a great actor. So at that moment in my life, again, it was sort of this like great flashy time, but it was also a time for me to start the work, which was great. And now you have taken on a new role of businesswoman. Yeah. What made you do that with Fabletics? Well, I think there are some people who are very right-brained, and then there are some people who are very linear very left brain. And then for me, I think I've always sat somewhere in the middle, right? It's like, I can't, I can't go full left. I can't go full linear. I'll go crazy, right? I need to like shut it off and get weird and creative. But I like busy work. I like being busy. And then I think as you get older, you start to look at and you have kids and you have a family. I don't want to have to leave all the time. And when you make movies, it does take you away from your kids and your family. As a single mom, that's really hard. So being able to do this and do other businesses and invest in different things uh, gives me an opportunity to be more at home with my family and um, on top of schoolwork and (laughs) (laughs) all the projects and school drop-offs and everything, soccer and baseball and football and plays. It's just endless, right? So it allows me to be able to have a real work day. And so when I start thinking about moving into more business type stuff, this Fabletics was something that 
I wanted to get into fashion, but I want I really like talking about things that I'm passionate about. I like being a part of something that feels like it matters, at least to me. It's hard. You couldn't for, just choose a random I'm business and at, throw your. I am not good at talking it. product. You know, I'm good at talking about things that I feel like are meaningful or maybe can be meaningful to to certain women uh, and men. And I do love stuff. You know, I love girly stuff. <laughs> what so. are the things you love and your stuff love? Like everything. <laughs> I love products. I love clothes. I love, I'm definitely a girl's girl. You know, a a girly girl. I'm a sucker for a great beauty product. If someone has something on, like a color that I love, I'm like, what's that nail color? You know, <laughs> I just I just like it. It's fun. And and uh and I think those things make girls happy. It's very ancient, isn't it? It's very ritualistic when as for as a woman you put yourself together or you like certain oils or scents and how you sort of present yourself and what makes you feel good and it's a real version of self expression. Some women are really into it. Some women aren't. I'm super into it. <laughs> so I really think it's important that the focus is really about where where you're at in your life. You know, I always say that you could have the great skin. You could have the great makeup on. You could have the great outfit on. But if you ain't happy, you ain't happy. And you're not going to be your optimum self. What's more stressful, starting a company or starring in a film? We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. What's more stressful, starting a company or starring in a film? Kids. No, <laughs> no. but yeah, you know, I sometimes think, you know, I when I'm working, I, you know, I love working moms, you know, they say, God, you're working mom. To, like, let me tell you what's hard. A stay-at-home mom without help and without family. There's a lot of women who, you know, have no help and are just – doing everything they can for their kids and that is that is the big job it really is and i'm i'm lucky enough to have the means to you know be able to work and have have a a great support system um that allows me to be able to you know be here in new york right now uh to do all of this i think it's because in your work life you can manage the things that you want to be doing in that day what you know uh, you need to reach or what you know needs to happen or what need, needs to get on someone's desk or what numbers you're not hitting or, you know, and that can be stressful. But your kids, it is not your time. You know what I mean? Like when you're raising your kids and they want to do, there is no part of that. Your life becomes your children, which is amazing. But, you know, a lot of women who don't have time to themselves don't have time to themselves. And I think that's a really important thing for all women. And, um, but so I, I actually think that is the hardest job. I was going to say with Fabletics, acting is just fun. You know, is I mean, fun. Sometimes you come. Across, I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, the time that meaning that not hard meaning not like hard. It's hard meaning that the hours are long, uh, and you know, uh, it's it is mentally 
exhausting in the sense that, you know, depending on what your day is. But, like, there's days that you're sitting on set and, you know, you're basically just sitting in a trailer for hours and hours until it's time for you to go, you know, work. And some days it's like, well, what am I doing today? They're like, well, we're going to get a shot of you. It's an exterior shot of you leaving the apartment and walking to the car. And you sit in your trailer the and rest you of the sit, day. And you're like, oh, okay. And if anyone ever said, like, my job is hard, I'd be like, come on. That was awesome. Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, but as my life gets busier, those trailer moments are not necessarily relaxing trailer moments. You know, I'm constantly working at this point. But it's great. It's great. I like it that way. When it comes to Fabletics, how involved are you in the day-to-day? Pretty involved. I wouldn't say day-to-day is my role, but yes, I mean, there's something with Fabletics I'm doing pretty much every day. Um, but I'm not in the office every day. I uh, also have my production company and all this stuff. So, I'm, so nowadays, everything that I need to see, people can email me. The times that I come into the office are usually big design meetings. We do, uh, you know, some uh, monthlies uh, where we get everyone together and make sure we're all on the same page. The involvement for me is – everybody always asks me. It's, I'm an owner in the company, so it's everything. You know, It's anything from looking at budgeting for marketing and how we're utilizing our budgets to design if things are going the way that you know, I'm happy with or maybe certain things need some changes. Um, but we've got an awesome design team of a lot. I mean, we, you know, it's, we've got, it's a very, very well-oiled – machine at this point with the design team. So we're pushing 21 to maybe 30 outfits a month, um, which is a lot. So, you know, it's not just like we're doing a season, right? So then we go, um, as most fashion brands, we're a year ahead. And so it's just constant, basically. It's constant new ideas and anything that I want to push forward is going to be at this point, right, would be have to be fall, you know, the quarter four and fall, which is 2018, right? And that's how it's far a long ahead. way in advance. It's a super long way in advance. So I really love the marketing part of it, though, I have to say, you know, and also strategizing on media buys and where where we need to be sort of pushing out more more media buys and things like that. How did you learn the whole business side between this and your production company? Uh, well, production company is sort of a, a very easy transition when you love making movies. I grew up making movies with my brothers. You know, it only made sense that the three of us would start a production company. And so we just tell stories. But we're also, we like business, right? So even in, in production meetings, there's things that are passion projects that you know that are going to be very hard to get off the ground that you want to keep pushing forward. But, you know, I you also want to like kind of invent new interesting ways to to put, you know, content on whether it be short form digital or all there's there's all kinds of great ways to and and we nowadays got, all this stuff is out there and you can so, totally experiment and play with it absolutely and on top of that you know we've got all these friends that are so talented and there's all these places that that things can sit at this point and you can utilize your friends in a business now and hollywood which is the studio system is is not the place that you have these relationships anymore to kind of experiment but now everybody wants to work together on the on a more independent way and focus and get independent financing and things like that. So it's kind of fun because you sort of 
do it yourself, you know, and I, I, I love that. That's my, that's my number one love. But I think as you get older, there's, you know, my mom always says like, where, if you're going to have a platform, where can you be impactful? I think that there is a crossover between the arts and business for certain types of women who like to think like that. And, and, uh, I've got a lot of friends like that. And it's, I think it's important to just follow that and to see, you know, to see it all through. Um, and for me, health, wellness, fitness, fun, that's my, that's my whole thing. That's your so, sweet spot. That's my sweet spot. Fabletics is a great start for me in terms of the things that I've been able to accomplish in my life. And this is a great accomplishment. I mean, it's, the success has been enormous. And now we're, we're, we're doing extended sizes. So now we go from like extra, extra small to 3X. So it just feels like we're continuing to be more and more inclusive to everyone and hopefully get that message out of fun, fit, happy people. Speaking of inclusivity, Emma Thompson, I don't know if you saw, but she was talking about um, the pressure that she felt mm. in Hollywood. She made a comment about the level of anorexia in Hollywood and the pressure that both women now and male actors feel. Did you ever come across that kind of pressure? No. Um, no. I actually think personally, from my experience, that pressure comes from outside media. Like us. What ABC yeah. and, and everybody else does. Well, I think that the focus is like, why are we even talking about this? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I think there's a there's there's a lot of different shapes in Hollywood and that they they are embraced. I think that there are some roles that uh, have different types of body shapes and different types of, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, playing a, a drug addict, um, then I'll probably have to lose some weight. Uh, and hopefully you do that in a very healthy way. Uh, if I'm going to be playing, um, you know, a voluptuous woman in the 50s, then I'll probably have to gain some weight. And hopefully I'll do that in a healthy way. I think that from my experience that I've had about the outside looking into that problem, it's always come from certain types of media outlets. The sort of what Im- what image they're putting out, what they think aesthetically makes more sense for them, and then the continuous sort of dialogue that seems to always be, you know, it's like... It's incessant. Yeah, I mean, but then again, like, aren't we used to this by now? Like, I think it's a bigger issue than just that. It's it's everything. It's beauty. It's how people sort of scrutinize women. It's just, you know, we've been... This has been happening for forever. This is not anything... You know, I like that we're talking about it in a way that actually says, like, yeah, well, it's... It's nice that people are actually recognizing now that we are highly scrutinized, but it's not, I mean, it's still happening. It's like shift the looks and the weight and the thing, like shift even the way that you're talking about it. And let's just talk about like more about how people are feeling in their lives and like, you know, are they happy? Are they healthy? Are they, you know, what, what brings them, what brings them sort of joy, what energetic? I don't know. I just, I just think the whole thing with wait wait so what do you think you know i just even to address it becomes part of the issue we should probably be talking about health we should be taught you want to talk about that let's talk about food let's talk about what's going on in the food industry like how do you make you know all, all there's so many other things to be talking about and i think the pressure is not just hollywood i think pressure is everywhere i think women mm-hmm. across 
the country and the world and certain places feel an enormous amount of pressure. And I don't think that that comes from Hollywood. So I think it is a bigger, much larger issue, personally. Um, I love asking this question of people. We all get advice. And a lot of the time people ask about good advice. I like to ask what the worst advice you ever got was. Curious to know, maybe it's in the context of business that you got bad advice. This is a good question. Yay! The worst advice I've ever gotten. It's funny because you I, you get bad advice all the time, right? Don't you? I mean, yes. the truth is is that people always have something to say about things. And you're like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I love when people sort of just give advice when they don't really, yeah. you know. <laughs> the internet is full of advice. Right. I'm sure you've probably received more advice than the average person just because of all the things you've seen in your lifetime. I mean, the best advice I ever got was it's a lot better to tell the truth than it is to even engage in withholding or telling a lie because you never have to clean up any messes, right? Cleaning it up is worse than the actual thing. Yeah, as I said, the the cover-up is worse than the crime, right? Yeah. So just always be a straight shooter, always be honest. That's always been one of my things. And and that vulnerability is actually a strength. And it's such a, a funny thing when people feel like it's hard for them to be vulnerable. But then the more that you allow that, you realize that it's actually not as vulnerable as you think. Once you allow the vulnerability yeah. to come out, you're sort of like, oh, it's actually not that. This is, this is actually kind of a more of a strength than it is a supposed weakness. Thank you so much, Kate Thank Hudson. You. Really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. This was nice. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of No Limits. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe, rate us, tell your friends. And if there's someone you think we should have on the show, let me know. You can tweet me at Rebecca Jarvis. And of course, you can follow along with us behind the scenes on Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat. And special thanks to the team here at ABC that helps make this happen. It is a big one. Taylor Dunn, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelb, Michelle Boncardo, Steve Jones, Erica Scott, and Elizabeth Hecht. And join me next Tuesday for an all-new episode of No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. Until then, take care, be well.